A very happy Friday morning to you. It's June 9th. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network. I am Adam Wright. Always happy to be with you and in particular looking forward to the weekend, our great Corpus Christi celebration on Sunday and a lot of other things just happening that I'm looking forward to. But let's begin our day in prayer as we do each and every day in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. O sacred heart of Jesus, I place my trust in you. O sacred heart of Jesus, I believe in your love for me. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, normally this is the time where I would tell you what's on the show today, and we always mention who. Uh, Today it's a little bit different. We've got our uh, studio full today. We we have three gentlemen with us, one Reverend Father and... uh, Two other lay faithful here. Uh, Shane Kapler's with us, and we're going to be meeting Shane in a little bit to talk about a conference that he's got coming up. And, and when you hear the topics for these, you're going to know why Shane's with us on the show today. And then back with us, uh, he was with us at the SEEK conference back in January down at the Dome at America's Center is Michael Vento, who is with the Institute of Catholic Humanism. There's a lot to remember on what that is, and and we're going to get to that as well. But, Michael, we're glad to have you with us. And you brought with you Father David Skillman, who's no stranger to Covenant Network. Uh, Father's been on our airwaves before, and, uh, Father, it's good to have you with us today. Good to be back. Uh, I'm not asking for money this time either, which is even better. I, I mean, if if you want to if if you want to ask, I won't stop you. But no, let's <laughs> talk about the faith today. Um, that's what's ahead. Here's what's in store today. We're going to be talking about the biblical roots of Marian consecration and Jesus, the source of Catholic prayer. We're going to talk about what it means to be authentically human and the purpose of the institute. Um, but you know what I'm going to say before we get to any of that. We need to go to Mike Roberts for a check of the weather and our saint of the day. We'll be back right after this. Today is the feast day of St. Ephraim, doctor of the church. Born in Mesopotamia in the early 4th century, both his parents were converts and his father may have been a pagan priest. St. Jacob, the bishop of Nisibis, where Ephraim grew up, was a huge influence. He baptized and taught him, eventually made him a teacher, and later ordained Ephraim as a deacon, although he never became a priest. Nisibis was constantly under attack and survived all of the attacks, but the emperor of Mesopotamia was forced to surrender the city to the Persians who expelled all the Christians. Ephraim went to Odessa in Greece, where he became widely known as a great writer, teacher, and biblical scholar, and his insight into the Last Judgment may have been what inspired Dante's Inferno. He died on this day in 373 and is the only Syrian who is a doctor of the church. St. Ephraim, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. 
We are back, and if you're just joining us, we've got a full studio today. Shane Kapler, Michael Vento, and Father David Skillman are with me here on Roadmap to Heaven this morning, and we've got a lot to talk about. So let's start with what brings us together. Michael, you uh, and I met back in January at the SEEK conference, and you explained a little bit about the Institute of Catholic Humanism to us, and I said, oh, we ought to keep in touch, and sure enough, we did. And you said, we've got this wonderful event coming up. So before we dive into our conversation, can you share a little bit about the event that's coming up? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Adam, for uh, having all of us on here this morning. The event that we have coming up that the Institute of Catholic Humanism is hosting is for my dear friend Shane Kapler, and he is going to be speaking at St. Peter Parish in St. Charles on June 17th, Saturday, and it's the Memorial of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and and that'll be from 9 a.m. to noon, and Shane's going to be speaking on his book, The Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration, and also Jesus's Heart, the Source of Catholic Prayer. So we are, we are very, very excited that Shane is going to be, be presenting and excited to be with him today to talk yeah. about it. Now, Shane, I, I hope you, you brought a shovel with you because we've, we're going to dig deep into all of this. I mean, that's, that's a lot to cover, and I, I can't believe just one morning is going to cover it all, but um, what, what wonderful topics. Oh, thank you so much. I am very excited about it. All right. Now, I, I want to get to the question that everyone's probably asking, though. It, it's still kind of distracting me a little bit. I know I remember bits of our conversation, and I could go back and listen to the podcast, which you could do, friends. But what is a Catholic humanist? Because everywhere else where I've heard humanism before, that, that that's usually a, a red flag goes up when we start talking about humanism. But I do remember, Michael, from the last time you were with us, that Catholic humanism is really about what it means to authentically be a human. And you, you brought an expert with you today. I did. I did, indeed. And Adam, you're absolutely right. Catholic humanism is the term that Pope St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI use in their writings. And that's, as an institute, that's we're devoted to them, and they're really receiving and unpacking what they gave us on God and the human person. We have a lot of confusion these days about what it means to be a human being, what it means to be male, what it means to be female. And Pope St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI have given us so, so much in their teachings and in their writings. The theology of the body in particular from St. John Paul II has been huge in this regard to understand who we are, understand our identity. And that's, that's really what, our, what we're trying to do with the Institute of Catholic Humanism. I often like to say to Michael, I feel like the part of the mission of the Institute is to kind of reclaim that word humanism, you know, for what it authentically is, what it really means to be a human, because it's been hijacked really by kind of the atheistic humanism that people think of immediately. And as he was saying, St. John Paul and Pope Benedict are just uh, prophets for our time, inviting us to really reclaim what it truly means to be human. One of the uh, Catholic buzzwords right now, and, and it's really an old word, but we're just bringing it back, is kerygma. You know, we, we, we like to use that word kerygma, and it's about getting to the, the core teaching, the core tenet of this. So, Father, if, if you had to summarize, you know, briefly, what does it mean to be human? I mean, that's a loaded question that we could do hours on the air talking <laughs> about, but if you had to distill that down to maybe one core point for us this morning, what does it mean to be human? 
Well, I guess if we had to choose one point, I would go right back to the beginning in Genesis, where we are told that we are made in the image and likeness of God, male and female. God made us in his image and likeness. And so to be human means to live out of the likeness, the image and likeness of God that each of us bears inscribed within our being. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that the rest of creation isn't good, because I, I remember that every year when we hear the Genesis story and the first reading at the Easter Vigil, that God created this, evening came, morning followed, the first day. But in all of those things, he said, it is good. And so, I, like, I'm a dog person. I love dogs. And I, I love my neighbor's dog. I love my parent's dog. I love my sister-in-law's dog. Anywhere I get to go, I'm like, all right, I get to get some uh, some some playtime with the dog. But dogs are not made in the image and likeness of God. What does that mean that, you know, we are the only ones of God's creation, as great as dogs are, that we're made in the image and likeness of God? Yeah, well, it means simply, most simply put, we're made for love. God is an eternal exchange of love in the blessed Trinity, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Even before he creates, God is love in himself. And so to be made in his image and likeness means we're made for love. We're made for self-gift and to enter into communion first with God and then with one another in the human family. So if, if we were, if this was mission impossible, your mission, should you choose to <laughs> accept it, is to live that out, to That's live out right. that image of love that we're created in and, right. and to strive for union. We've got coincidentally the goal of Roadmap to Heaven every morning to help give you practical <laughs> things to do that. Now, uh, Father, I put you on the spot here for just a second. We've got a great feast coming up Sunday that we've been getting ready for all week here on the show, and that's Corpus Christi. And that's the body and blood of our Lord, the solemnity of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. How important is it for us, you know, too, that here, here you have the divine nature, the, the second person, divine person of the, the Holy Trinity, took on our human nature and came down and, and, and was incarnate. You know, that was one of the reflections we were talking about earlier this week was that, that third uh, prayer of the Angelus, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, talking about the incarnation. Uh, you know, how does that help us understand who we are as humans to see God come down and be among us? Right. Well, I would say, you know, to go back to St. John Paul II, in many ways, over and over and over again throughout all of his teachings, he's coming back again and again to the, these two uh, passages of Gaudium et Spes of Vatican II that speak about man finding himself through a gift of himself and also looking to Christ as the, through the incarnation, the image of what it means to truly be human. And so certainly that all comes together in a most beautiful way in the Holy Eucharist, right? Where Christ himself, the perfect man, is truly present and he makes a gift of himself to us. Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body given for you. So yeah, it all comes together very much in, in the Eucharist, which is the kind of the enduring uh, fruit of the incarnation. All right. Well, this is wonderful. I look forward to more of our conversation, but we are going to pause here and take a break on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. When we come back, we'll have more with Shane Kapler, Michael Vento, and Father David Skillman. We'll be talking about uh, Marian consecration in the next segment, and I really look forward to that. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. A prayer to the Archangel Gabriel. O blessed Archangel Gabriel, we beseech thee, do thou intercede for us at the throne of divine mercy in our present necessities that, as thou didst denounce to Mary the mystery of the Incarnation, so through thy prayers and patronage in heaven we may obtain the benefits of the same and sing the praise of God forever in the land of the living. Amen. 
We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. We were just uh, joking during the break. So far, we haven't gotten into anything controversial because we're all on the same page, which is nice. You know, it's we want to be on the, the same page as the catechism. We want to be on the same page as the church fathers. We want to be on the same page as our Lord. So if we're not on the same page, that's actually a really good sign that something has gone wrong. I'm Adam Wright. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Shane Kapler is with us in the studio today. Shane, you are giving a talk, and that's what brings us together. Saturday, the 17th from 9 a.m. to noon, you're actually giving two talks, and one of them is on the biblical roots of Marian consecration. Now, our listeners know I am a big proponent of Marian consecration. I love St. Louis de Montfort. I love everything he wrote in his consecration. In fact, one of my buddies and I lovingly refer to each other as worm food because of one of the passages of that consecration that reminds us when we die, what do we become? The food of worms. And yet, I've never thought to explore the biblical roots of this because I just said, wow, this is so good. I, I, I don't need to go deeper for my own satisfaction, but it's always good to go deeper. So, biblical roots of Marian consecration. Where do you want to start? Well, why don't we start with biblically? What do we mean by consecration? I mean, the word consecrate in Hebrew, it's kaddish, and it comes from the word for holy, kodesh. God is the holy one. God is totally other. And so, when we consecrate something to God— we are taking it out of everyday use and we are giving it totally over to him. So it is sanctified, it's made holy. And in the Old Testament, we hear of everything from altars and sacrificial offerings to priests being consecrated. And then in the New Testament, Jesus talks about how the Father consecrated him and sent him into the world in his incarnation. Jesus is a Jewish firstborn son. He's taken to the temple by Mary and Joseph and he's consecrated. Jesus at the Last Supper says he prays, Father, for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they too may be consecrated, that we may be made holy. So Jesus gives himself totally to the Father in the crucifixion and resurrection and ascension, and he draws us into that, draws us into his consecration, first in baptism, but then throughout the rest of our lives as we're being progressively made over in the image of the Son. When we talk about Marian consecration, we've got to explain it because, of course, some of our, our separated brothers and sisters, that's setting off alarm bells. Oh, there go those Catholics worshiping Mary again. You yeah, know. how can you be consecrated to Mary? And first thing, and, and John Paul II points this out, that we're talking by way of analogy, by way of accommodation. So truly, we're only consecrated to God. But just as God is Father— truly father, yet we talk about male human beings as being fathers because they participate in God's work of bringing new life into the world. So when we speak of consecration, when we use that term referring to being consecrated to Mary, John Paul says what we're really getting at is entrustment. We are putting ourselves completely into her hands. And John Paul, I think, would point out that we can't possibly be more entrusted to Mary than Christ Jesus himself was by the Father. And so when we entrust ourselves to Mary, we are first imitating that action that we see in the incarnation. We are, are entering into that mystery of being given into her arms to be loved and nurtured and prayed with. And truly, we want to participate in Mary's consecration. We want to to enter into that fullness of surrendering ourselves to the Lord, letting him enter into us, grow within us, 
and be born into the world through our words and actions. So that, that's the end goal of Marian consecration. The Blessed Mother would tell you it's not about me. It's about bringing you to Jesus. As you say that, I can't help but think that all of us have those friends that we go to, you know, whether it's for parenting things or, right. you know, sports things or something broke around the house and I need advice on how to fix it. So who would you go to to ask that question? And we all have different answers, but who would be the best person to go to? And and I'm thinking, well, the Blessed Mother is who God chose to entrust himself to. So who am I to be better than Jesus and say, no, I got somebody different here. I, I know you're, you'd go to the Blessed Mother, uh, but I'm going to go to uh, Joe down the street and uh, entrust myself to him to help me grow in holiness. Sure. And, you know, early on in my life, as I was learning about this, it was a struggle to, to wrap my head around this. And one of the things we as Catholics, we always look for is, how does this come to us from the apostles? Where's this in the great tradition? And so, where do we see the apostles or anyone in the apostolic church being entrusted to Mary by Jesus? And again, John Paul II, he, he helped me see that it's right there at the foot of the cross where Jesus, he first looks down at Mary and he says, woman, behold your son, indicating John. And then to John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his idia is what the Greek word is. In our English Bibles, we translate that as he took her into his home. That's fine. You can use it like that as an idiom in the first century. But the word literally means he took her into his own, to what is most precious to him. So, yes, he takes Mary into his home, but he's bringing the Blessed Mother into his whole interior life, into his life as a disciple. And we can see the fruits of this in John's apostolic ministry. You look at the way his gospel penetrates the mystery of Jesus differently than the synoptics do. And I'm, I'm adamant that that is because he spent the rest of his time in the company with Mary, praying with the woman, celebrating the, the Eucharist with the woman who had prayed with Jesus three times a day for 30 years of, of his life. And John enters into that maternal relationship with Mary and that it's meant to be shared with the other members of the church. Michael, you're taking down notes pretty feverishly over there, and you're nodding your head up and down. I mean, you, you look like you're loving this. I, absolutely. Uh, this is an aspect of, of Shane's book that I truly love. I mean, I love all of it, but this one in, in particular is really uh, important to me about John's relationship with the Blessed Mother, the time that he spent with her, and, and how that affected him. Uh, that's very, very deep and profound. Thank you, Shane, for, for yeah. drawing that out. Well, yeah, and there's an element, too, that Michael and I love in John's account of the crucifixion because right after Jesus has made this mutual entrustment, John says, after this, knowing that all had now been accomplished, Jesus said, I thirst, and he, he receives the wine vinegar, and then he says, it is finished, and he surrenders his spirit. So after this, after this mutual entrustment, of John to Mary and Mary to John, that's when Jesus' work on the cross, he can look at it and say, okay, everything's been accomplished. Now it's finished. This is part of the new covenant. This is not something extraneous, but, but Jesus has always intended for his mother to play this role within the church globally, but also individually in our own spiritual lives. Now, some of our listeners out there, I, I know because I've spoken with them, they, they've watched... Uh 
a show called The Office, and there's a character who decides to declare bankruptcy, and he walks out into the middle of the office space and goes, I declare bankruptcy! And, and they're like, no, that's not how you do it, right? And and I think about Marian consecration, that I, I could stand up right now, I could say over these radio waves, I consecrate myself to Mary. And thinking back to St. Louis de Montfort's preparation for consecration in mm-hmm. the 33 days, there was a lot of prayer, there was a lot of reading, and there was a concrete action that we took on the final day when we went to Mass, but it's also in the, the daily living. And Father, I, w- I want to kind of pivot to you, and you gentlemen jump in as well here. But when we talk about giving ourselves to the Blessed Mother, when we talk about consecrating ourselves, how is our daily life supposed to look different? You know, wh- what do I do throughout the day that should be different than somebody who's never heard of this before and has not even thought about having this relationship with the Blessed Mother? I mean, is it just, well, now I'm going to pray the rosary every day, or, or now I'm going, wh- what does it look like? Well, it really means your your whole day, everything is given over to her. I mean, it's not just one particular thing you do each day, but this is what the consecration is meant to be. Everything is entrusted to her um, and through her to Christ. You know, I think oftentimes when I'm maybe in spiritual direction or other things where people are talking about, I feel like maybe I'd like to do the Marian consecration. I think a lot of times people would just say, well, it's kind of a popular thing to do as a Catholic, you know, so I should probably do it. I say, you have to understand what you're doing, right? You're giving the whole of yourself to Mary. Like you're holding nothing back. Everything is hers. And so as long as you understand, you know, what you're doing, then yes, because it's, there's no more fruitful practice in our spiritual lives. But we also want to know what we're doing. So practically, it means beginning the day with her. You know, the morning offering expresses that often very beautifully through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It means asking her to help you participate well in Holy Mass, receive Holy Communion, as she would have received Holy Communion. I mean, you can just go through every aspect of the spiritual life and every aspect of your day, and it's asking her to, to be in all of it. So when I, when I go back to my high school days and summer vacations back then and, and being bored around the house and saying, oh, maybe I'll do this today, and then that little voice that's like, yeah, you know, if you do that, mom finds out. Mom's going to be really upset that you did that. Mom's going to say, you shouldn't have done that. That wasn't a good idea. That's now, in a grander sense, it's asking that same question, you know, would mom be happy with me if I did that? So if the choice is, well, I could gossip about this coworker, or I could gossip about this friend, or I could spend that time, you know, helping that person who's also trying to get all of their groceries to the car, you know, mom would probably be happier with me spending that time helping put the groceries in the car than she would with me gossiping about so-and-so and, and, oh, my goodness, you wouldn't believe what they did. And it's letting that influence every decision of the day almost? Yeah, everything. I'll give you an example from my own life as a priest. You know, it's it's rare that I have a mass that I'm celebrating that I don't have an intention for the parish or something. But I made the Marian consecration, which includes entrusting Mary the temporal and spiritual goods of the whole of my life. So often... If I come across a time when I'm celebrating Mass and I don't have an intention, I just say, this is yours, Blessed Mother. You know, you do with this Mass what you think is best because I've promised you everything. So it, it, everything, like just every aspect of our lives, giving it to her. And I love that. She knows what best to do with all of it. Yeah. You know, I, I could have an intention that I could just like, well, if you need me to come up with an intention, I'll, I'll come up with one. But the Blessed Mother probably has lots of requests, and she goes, all right, well, Father's willing to give me this Mass uh, to offer an intention. So, son, please take Father's Mass for this intention and the, the person who needs it. Right. Beautiful. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about prayer, and because you can't talk about Mary, as we've just said, without talking about our Lord. The two are so closely united. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Anna McChristy, 
Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the malignant enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me, and bid me come to thee, that with thy saints I may praise thee forever and ever. Amen. We are back. I'm Adam Wright, joined by Shane Kapler, Father David Skillman, and Michael Vento, all from the, the Institute of Catholic Humanism. Shane's going to be giving a presentation, and that is the launching point of our discussions today on Roadmap to Heaven. So before the break, we were talking about the biblical roots of Marian consecration. And if you're just joining us, I'm going to say this. Go back to the podcast on this one. It's a good conversation. You're going to want to hear it. But we're going to pivot now and talk about our Lord, because the whole goal of this is to grow closer to our Lord. And that's, I'm confident that's what the Blessed Mother would say too. So Shane, you have also written about Jesus' heart, the source of Catholic prayer. And as much as we're gearing up for Corpus Christi on Sunday, next week we have another beautiful feast, uh, the Solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Our Lord. And so what do you mean by that? When you say Jesus' heart, the the source of Mm -hmm. Catholic prayer, what are you saying? Well, Father Skillman, he was talking about how the Trinity is a communion of love. And so we have a father who's pouring himself out completely in his son, and then a father and son pouring themselves out to each other in the person of the Holy Spirit. And I I like to say that the Holy Spirit is prayer within the Trinity, that communication of father and son to each other. But when Jesus enters the world, when he becomes a human being, he has a human heart and he prays through that human heart. So He expresses his love for the Father in the Holy Spirit in a human way, through human words, human actions. And our prayer as Christians, we we don't approach God as individuals, but we approach him through his Son. That in baptism, we're fused to the Lord Jesus, and he now lives within us. As the Catechism says, it's not just that Jesus prays with us, but he prays in us. And so that, that is our goal as Catholics is to let the Lord conform our prayer to Christ's prayer, to his self-offering. And that's why every week we're coming back to the Eucharist. I mean, that is the highest point of our prayer because that's the highest point of Christ's prayer as a man. It's where his prayer and his gift of self become one and the same, as the Catechism says. And that's what we enter into in Eucharistic Communion. It takes me back to something you said earlier about consecration, that it's offering to God. And you were talking about how even in the presentation, one of the great mysteries of the rosary, one of the great moments in the Gospels, what happens? The Blessed Mother and St. Joseph take firstborn son, our Lord, and they they offer him to God, which is kind of odd because they're, they're offering him, in, in essence, to him, uh, you know, uh-huh. uh, but really to the Father. When we get into Trinitarian, I have to be really careful because I, I get a little uh, jumbled in my words here. But at Mass, I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing. It's like we're offering to the triune God, the second person of the triune God, and only because he made it possible. It's like, wait a minute, what, what am I really bringing to this equation here in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. Um, because there's nothing I can bring that would compare. It is complete grace that we're being lifted up into this. 
Adam, if I could share, there is, um, there's a passage um, that Cardinal Ratzinger, prior to being Pope Benedict, uh, he wrote a book called um, Behold the Pierced One. And he, he says something that blows my mind, that prayer was the central act of the person of Jesus. And indeed, this person is constituted by the act of prayer, of unbroken communication with the one he calls Father. We see who Jesus is when we see him pray. And then he tops it off. He says, since the center of the person of Jesus is prayer, it is essential to participate in his prayer if we're to know and understand him. And I mean, how do you participate in the prayer of God the Son? But that's exactly what our sacraments and our devotions as Catholic are about. It's the way that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, draws us into and reproduces his own prayer within us. All right, now I'm gonna. Uh, you pulled out Ratzinger. I'm gonna pull out Frank Sheed here for a moment Excellent. because I have a question. So I've I've been going back to this passage of Frank Sheed on the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. In the one divine nature, there are three persons: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No one of the persons is either of the others. Each is holy himself. And the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. They are not three gods, but one God. And then, as uh, Frank Sheed says. The three persons are distinct, but not separate. They are distinct because each is himself, but they cannot be separated for each is what he is solely by possessing the one same nature. Apart from that one nature, no one of the persons could exist at all. So am I correct in understanding that when you say that Jesus mission uh, was prayer or his work was one of prayer, that that's part of what separates them when we say they're, they're distinct members of the Trinity, that the Father has a role, the Son has a role, and the Holy Spirit has a role, and they're different roles. Even you know, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you, let you no, take this that's, here. That's beautiful, um, because what distinguishes the person of the Son is that he is completely from the Father and completely for the Father. That's what distinguishes his person, and so that is exactly what is being reflected in his human nature that he is from the Father and he is for the Father. And so Jesus, every time he speaks, he's speaking about his Father, that, that what the Father does, the Son does. The Son can only do what he sees from the Father. Um, and that is what we see in his human prayer. It is that, that human parallel to what is eternally going on in the divine nature. But it's the one person doing this, the one divine person of the Son praying through his human nature. So when, you know, last week on the show, we were talking about the Holy Trinity, and Father Wade Menezes was with us, and we were mm -hmm. talking about, uh, Father Skillman, this will be very familiar to you as a priest, that in the collect prayer of the Mass, what happens? We pray to the Father, through the Son, in union with the Holy Spirit. I mean, pretty much every prayer, every time you pray the collect, there's some iteration of that. Is it then, you know, when you talk about Jesus' heart as the source of Catholic prayer, is it pretty much fruitless for me to to pray without bringing Jesus into the equation to, to say, well, I, I'm going to skip the second person of the Trinity here with my intention, and I'm just going to go straight to the Father on my own? You know, what, what, what are the implications of this? <laughs> well, I think certainly Jesus himself says no one comes to the Father except through me, right? I mean, that that's straight from the Gospel of, of John, so— even if we're not, we can pray to the Father. We pray to Our Father, obviously, the prayer that he taught us. But even when we do that, we're doing it through him. So, yeah, it's always through Christ that we have access 
to the Father. All right. So uh, in the last segment we were talking about with the Marian consecration, what does this look like practically? I mean, now we've talked about Mass, uh, Mm -hmm. the the source of the Eucharist, the source and summit, you know, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Um, But what else? What, What does living this out look like? I mean, I, th- I think, uh, you know, if, if I had a checklist for us to maybe run down here, mental prayer is one, and, and aspiring to not just pray. I love rote prayer. I will always love rote prayer, but to, to move into mental prayer as well, to spend time contemplating mm-hmm. the heart of Jesus. You know, I, I'm thinking of this image of the sacred heart on the wall here that every day I love to be able to just gaze upon and say, all right, as you, as you head to that microphone, share this. I'm sharing it with the world. Tell them I'm sharing my heart with the world. But what, what else looks different in our daily life if we are going to Jesus' heart as the source of Catholic prayer? Well, I okay, for me, it's inseparable talking about the sacred heart from the immaculate heart of Mary. And, and something that stands out to me in the Gospels is that there are only the hearts of three individuals that are ever mentioned in the Gospels, the heart of Jesus, the heart of his mother, and the heart of Judas. And it stood out to me that that's very significant because in the end, you have the heart of Jesus and then every single one of us is going to have either the heart of Mary toward him at the end of our life or the heart of Judas. Either we surrender ourselves completely to him and let him be born of us the way that Mary did or like Judas, we are going to put something, some kind of security in this world or or some kind of, of value ahead of him and we'll lose everything. So like Mary... When she welcomes Jesus into her womb and she gives birth to him, her whole life, her whole day, revolves around her son. And and we're invited into that through Marian consecration. We're being asked to enter into union with Christ's sacred heart. And so all these different elements that have come to make up devotion to Mary's immaculate heart, the rosary, wearing the brown scapular, First Saturday devotion, all of these things are really us entering into Mary's daily life with Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, take something like the First Saturday devotion, where how does that go back to the Gospels? Well, think about it. Every Saturday, that was the Sabbath. That was the day that God said, Israel, keep this day holy, for this is how you show that you're consecrated to me. And so this is the day of the week that Jesus and Mary spent together enjoying one another's company, meditating upon scripture, going to the synagogue, worshiping the Father. And so when we celebrate that first Saturday devotion, we are being invited into that intimacy of Jesus and Mary in the home of Nazareth to celebrate reconciliation and the Eucharist and to meditate on the life of Christ that that comes to us in scripture in the rosary. Now, the prayer of the rosary, again, we can take that right back to the New Testament, that John Paul II said that Mary, throughout her life, she meditated upon her son, upon his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and that that was the rosary that she prayed uninterruptedly throughout her entire life. John was invited into that. We're invited into that when we pray the rosary, when we are, our lips are saying the words that come to us from the Gospels, but in our hearts, we are meditating in union with Mary upon the life of her son in the words of scripture. And that also goes back to what we see at the day of Pentecost, that how are we supposed to prepare for the coming of the Spirit? Jesus sends them back to that upper room with Mary, and they spend nine days in prayer. And what are they doing? 
They're meditating upon Christ's life in the light of Scripture with Mary. And if that ain't the rosary, I don't know what is. <laughs> so all of these things, they're, they're rooted there. But we're sharing Mary's life, her prayer, her union with Christ's sacred heart is being extended to us through these practices. Wow. See, this is all great, friends. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things we might have to tack on some bonus time to Roadmap to Heaven today if, if we can do that. But uh, we are going to take another quick break here to get you one more check of the weather and our daily dose of encouragement. But then we will be back to wrap up after this. Prayer in a time of waiting. All-powerful and ever-living God, guard our churches, our homes, our schools, our hospitals, our factories, and all the places where we gather. Deliver us from harm and peril. Protect our land and the peoples from enemies within and without. Grant an early peace with victory founded upon justice. Instill in the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere a firm purpose to live forever in peace and goodwill toward all. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. If only I could stop the hands of time and keep this week going and going. I have loved every quote from Venerable Servant of God, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, that Patty Schneier has shared with us on the Daily Dose of Encouragement this week. Sadly, we are at the end of our week, but the good news is we still have one more quote to ponder. Well, Fulton Sheen said this, In almost nine cases out of ten, those who have once had the faith but now reject it or claim that it doesn't make sense, are driven not by reasoning, but by the way they are living. Boy, is that true. Look at your own family. I have to look at my family. Look at our young people. It is lifestyle choices that lead most often to the abandonment of the faith. Preferring to live with one's partner outside of marriage. Preferring to accept lifestyles that go against the church teaching. Preferring to stay out late, party hard on Saturday night, sleep in on Sunday, play sports instead of going to Mass. All point to the way one chooses to live. So what's our response? And I think the main thing we can do is let's show others the beauty and fulfillment of living the faith. How life is better, how families flourish, how true joy is found when we live a life of faith. So be ready to give the real reason why your marriage has survived, the real reason why your joy is contagious, why you experience any success at all, because of God, because of faith, because of his mercy. A life of faith must be revealed and lived far more attractively than the worldly lifestyles that pull people away from the church. So let's be conscious of this reality and then be bold and intentional in your conversations and interactions with others. I absolutely love it, and I have loved this week. Patty, thank you for these wonderful quotes on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. And if you've enjoyed them, be sure to check out the Daily Dose of Encouragement podcast wherever you get your podcast, or by visiting ourcatholicradio.org and clicking on programs. Be sure to hit like, subscribe, follow, and most importantly, Share with a friend. The B1 Prayer Eternal Father, at the Last Supper, your Son prayed that all who bear His name might be one. Send the Holy Spirit upon us to make us one in Christ. Strengthen our faith in You. Lead us to love one another. Unite our service to our brothers and sisters 
and join us together as we build your church in our midst. Take away divisions that hinder our unity in Christ, so we may, with one mind and voice, as members of one body, praise and glorify you. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. We are nearing the end of our time together here, so I want to turn it over to Michael Vento for a couple reminders. First off, I want to thank Shane for sharing everything today. I I wish we could extend the hour here. But if you want to hear more, the talk is on Saturday, June 17th from 9 a.m. to noon at St. Peter Parish in St. Charles. Shane Kapler on the biblical roots of Marian consecration, Jesus' heart, source of Catholic prayer, also marrying the rosary to the Divine Mercy Chaplet to tie everything together. It's like you put a nice, beautiful bow on it. Really, our Lord put a nice, beautiful bow on it for us. It's $10 admission, $30 max for families, with all money going to the Institute's mission of sharing the thought of JP2 and Benedict the Sixteenth, And that's where we're going to wrap up, as all of this is because of the Institute of Catholic Humanism. And Michael Vento from the Institute had a few closing thoughts for us to help it shed some light through after our discussion on, on why this work is so important. Yes, I just wanted to follow up with something and really focus on a quotation from Pope Benedict Sixteenth Before he went uh, into the conclave that elected him, he delivered one of the greatest homilies in the history of the Church. And in that homily, and we hear about quite a bit about the dictatorship of relativism that he talked about, just after that, he said this, The Son of God the true man, he is the measure of true humanism. And that's what we're about at our institute. We are unpacking and receiving the thought of St. John Paul II, Pope Benedict XVI, on what it means to be truly human. And this is one of the main battlefields today. And it has been for some time. That's why Pope Benedict and St. John Paul II have spoken so frequently about this because these are the root, the, the foundation of a lot of the problems that we're seeing in our culture uh, you know, and in the postmodern world. So I just want to emphasize that, and, and uh, that's, that's, what our, that's what our institute is focusing on. So some of the activities that we have are we are blessed to have intensive weekends where we introduce and delve into the theology of the body from Pope St. John Paul II. And so we, the, the, the material is presented, but we have the deep discussions that are so necessary to go alongside of those, that, the content. We also have amazing witnesses, people who come in and give their witness testimony. So, so important and impactful. We have uh, conferences like Shane's coming up, and we were blessed to have Jason Everett last year uh, for, a, uh, for a conference. And we ha- have also regular meetings where we even go deeper into praying and the texts of St. John Paul. Uh, so th- I just wanted to give a little bit of, of, of background and our mission. And we're so grateful to Father Skillman for being our chaplain and to Cardinal Burke for being our Episcopal advisor. That is absolutely wonderful. CatholicHumanism.org is the website for more information and to register for the conference on the 17th. Father Skillman, this is normally about the time where I would close out the show with a glory be and invocation to the Blessed Mother and to St. Joseph. But seeing as how you have holy orders, I, I would love to defer to you for our closing prayer on the show today, if I may. 
All right. Well, let us invoke our Blessed Mother's intercession by praying the Memorari, and then I'll give you a blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Well, it has been a joy to have you with us today, Father Skillman and Michael Vento. Thanks for bringing Father and Shane Kapler with us today. Uh, Next week on the show, we're going to be getting ready for our celebration of our Lord's Sacred Heart. So don't forget to go to a Corpus Christi procession this weekend at a parish near you. And next week, we'll be right back with you, drawing even closer to our Lord. In the meantime, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. And as we say each and every day, if you want to grow closer to the heart of our Lord, it is in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And what does she ask us to do? Pray your rosary today. Have a blessed weekend, everyone.